0: What everyone is experiencing now as a way of working remotely, in my opinion, does not represent what remote work would normally Mm. look like in a different global situation.
1: Hey, you're listening to the School of Innovation. I'm your host, Yaniv Korem, and my guest today is Laila von Alvesleben. Laila is the Head of Culture and Collaboration at Mural, a digital workspace for visual collaboration. She manages a distributed team of over 140 people across multiple continents and time zones. She is a champion for the remote-first approach to collaboration, empowering Mural's rapidly growing team to successfully work from anywhere. Laila's background is in UX design, having worked on digital product design at HANO and educational workshops at Hyper Island. She helped create the Remote Starter Kit and is one of the first members of the Remote Work Association, a network that organizes online events to promote location-independent jobs. This is part one of my conversation with Lila. Enjoy and stay safe. All right, Laila, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Anise. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Uh,
1: Glad to have you uh, with us today. I am genuinely excited. I know that you've been super busy on social, web social, these last couple of days, right? With everything that's going on. Definitely.
0: It's been a bit of a crazy time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I definitely appreciate the time and uh, the opportunity to ask you all these, these questions um first of all how are you these days and and where are you
0: wow that's a that's a big question
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes i know
0: that's every time i ask that question to somebody these days there's there's a bit of a silence at first and then people are looking out into space and then they look back at you if it's on a webcam and then they they say i'm doing okay (laughs) That's, that's exactly what i've done right now just uh looked out the window and looked back at my screen yeah Um, yeah i think i'm i think i'm okay i also try to remember that um i'm i am in a privileged position to you know still be working right now and be healthy um Mm -hmm. so i'm grateful for that and and it's it's hard of course but there's um it could be worse
1: because you don't realize it but uh things can get really bad very quickly and um we're not there. We're on this call, and um, you didn't say where you were. Where oh, are you sorry, from? yes.
0: <laughs> um, I <am laughs> forgot where I was. I'm in, um, I'm in my bedroom in Switzerland, so I am from Switzerland, in, from the southern part, the Italian-speaking part. Um, for those who don't know, there is an Italian-speaking part, <laughs> <laughs> and we're a minority, so I'm right
1: here. Okay. Okay, perfect. A minority, Italian-speaking part. Uh, in the south of switzerland
0: exactly no because most people think you know we, o- we only speak german or some people think german and french but actually we have four languages uh oh. italian is one of them and then we have Rito uh it's a very uh, special language spoken only in switzerland as, as far as i know
1: huh. um, and you and you so speak, that, a, language? A, a, speak that language does everyone speak
0: i don't speak i it. know it's No, 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 no. It's like a, I don't even know if it's like a 0.4% of people or something like that, (laughs) but it's a, it's a, it's a Latin language. It's um, most related to Romanian Um, and it's, it's a real language. It's not a dialect. It's a, it's a, it's an official, official language. And so, but the people who live in that region, they still have to go to school either on the Italian side or the, or the Swiss side of Switzerland, uh, the German side of Switzerland. Oh, um, but their language, I can kind of understand it. Sometimes it sounds, sometimes it reminds me a little bit of Catalan in mm-hmm. a way, because there's some words that are very Latin.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, wow. there we
0: have a little geography lesson in your podcast.
1: Y- y- yes. I don't <laughs> think uh, my listeners ex- <laughs> expected that, but you learn something new every day. And, uh, that's the interesting bit, I think. Yeah. Thank you mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, um, sure. so it seems like everyone I speak to these days is. Obviously shocked by the you know the ramifications of COVID nineteen, but for us innovators, it's it's actually um, I don't know I, I, I want to say I want to use the word frustrating right because mm-hmm. because it seems like like I was talking to um, um, a potential client in the education space right, and she told me that this last week of COVID-19 here in Israel they've actually went full digital right within a week now it's something she said that they've been trying to do for the last 10 years 10 years and they managed to do it in a week that's insane I think Mm -hmm
0: yeah, and and, I'm sorry for laughing, but it's 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 there's a lot of people now who have been begging to do home office days and now <laughs> and now they can, even though they've been told that it wasn't possible for for a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. I think that cuts across like that sort of behavior cuts across uh, a lot of disciplines. And for us, innovators who have been like trying to get people to change for the longest time or all of a sudden, you know, standing there saying what the fuck like I mean you've had all this time we were here to help you and now COVID-19 comes in and all of a sudden you're all boom doing it and I want to I want to tie that into what you do which is remote work because it seems like and I was looking at your website you've been doing that into that since 2014 right
0: yes that's when i first started working remotely
1: okay Um, so in in 2014 how many people how many companies do you think? what average what percentage of the population do you think was working remote
0: um much much smaller percentage than today that's for sure
1: yes yeah (laughs)
0: I, I think I remember seeing there was a, an article or some kind of report from Virgin at the time that I was using because I wrote a, a thesis on on the topic. And they were predicting that by 2020 20, 50% of the workforce in the U.S. would be working remotely. So I think back then, you know, it was maybe it was even just like a... Not, not even. I don't even you can even say ten percent. I mean, working remotely in a way. Though what I want to say is, there's been companies working remotely even if they are in the same building and they're on different floors and they're sending mm. each other information. Or in that sense, then then no, then it's a it's a much bigger percentage. Or if we think of multinational companies who have been you know sharing emails and things like that, it's just that we have started thinking of of distributed teams in in a Almost like a a philosophy or, or, or a foundational part of a company. So some companies mm. that have been set up uh, are remote from the start, and then they build everything around that, their culture and their their processes. Whereas other companies were you know expanding in the world and working remotely, but they would never use that word. So it's it's also difficult to actually say what percentage. That's interesting. Um, so it's not but, it's yeah
1: it's not just about. So when you think about remote initially you think geography, right? People are in separate places Mm -hmm. around the world, but you're saying, no, it's not. Your definition is it's more about the philosophy, the culture, kind of like the principles of how you work, how you organize your work.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, with technology, even with phones, if you had people somewhere else and you're calling them, asking them to collaborate on something, then you are essentially working remotely. And I don't want to be... Um you know, I don't want to be nitpicking the word, but in mm-hmm. if you look at it that way, then then yes. Um and, and so I think I find it interesting how then some companies say, oh no, you know, you can't work from home today, but in the meantime, they're like a huge company, you know, already spread out in different places or in a big building across different floors. Yeah. And uh if you're picking up the phone or sending an email, then you're working remotely.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I did not think about that. Um hmm. yeah. So now that we're all <laughs> working remotely, <laughs> Correct. You know, uh, well, we, we we did we weren't given any you know any opportunity any different um op- options. Mm-hmm. Um what um you know what what's important to keep in mind, like how do you uh, you've been in this space for the longest time. I'm sure you Or maybe you you have been expecting this sort of scenario. Um, What um, what are some of the you know kind of guidelines principles that you would give someone who just went through this transition? Now was not working remotely, or their work wasn't organized remotely, and now it's like full on remote.
0: Right. Well, I will start out by saying, I mean, I could have never imagined this specific scenario that we are in. I was predicting that that as as a way of working, it would become more more popular, and it would it was already trending, and it would continue to do so. But I thought it would just gradually grow and, and become um, become uh, more common. But now it's 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 a forced thing, and um, I think the first thing I will point out for anyone listening is what everyone ex- is experiencing now. As a way of working remotely, in my opinion, does not represent what remote work would normally Mm. look like in a different um, global situation. And by that, I mean that now, you know, you're working with without the opportunity of going out and socializing uh, your entire family is at home. If you, if 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 you're a parent or anyone else living with family, you have the kids at home. You're also doing homeschooling at the same time. You have a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety, perhaps,
1: yeah. and
0: so it it adds on to that feeling of having to adapt and learn something new, and so it is intense um, mm. and. And I, I it would be sad if what people would take away from this is oh man, like remote work is really, really intense because <laughs> there's a there's a whole other ecosystem around you that is adding onto that um, that intensity. So in in other circumstances remote work would not have to be so uh, so painful perhaps, you know, and, and people's moods would be better and, and the global situation would be would be more positive. So, um, with that said, um, I think that, that, um, what people need to consider is that it takes time. There's a lot of trial and error. Uh, try not to be too hard on yourselves as, as workers or even as employers, uh, or get too frustrated. I mean, we have to be kind to ourselves, I think always. And, and especially now even more so and uh, th- that's the first piece of advice is, is really try to figure things out together, talk openly and transparently about how things are going and, and, uh, and have this conversation, you know, not just say, okay, you know, I'm going to assign one or two people in the company to uh, figure out what tools we're going to use and how we're going to do it. I think it has to be a, a, a team-wide conversation in some way. Obviously, for bigger companies, you might want to break up that conversation. But there's nothing stopping a a CEO or a team leader. I mean, this is this is their moment to step and and open up the conversation to everyone, and and maybe getting everyone on a on a Zoom call um, and doing like an like an ask me anything or like having a town hall meeting and saying, okay, what what are on people's minds? What do people think about this way of working? What have they heard from other people? Like, let's share. Let's share our resources. Let's share our knowledge. Maybe we have mm-hmm. contacts in our networks of so people who can help us, or best practices, or things like that. Let's gather all that information and see what we can do, uh, and then we can assign people to you know focus on that. But let's also have once like a, a conversations, a company to see what we want to do. And I, I, um, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, no, I I, I don't want to stop you. I think that's that's fantastic advice. I um. I think you're absolutely correct, you know, in saying this is like, I I want people to take, listeners to take away from this, that this is not an on the regular situation. This is not like the the way that remote work uh, should be. It's an extreme situation. Mm -hmm. And therefore it's not about copy pasting what you used to do before COVID-19 and what you're doing now. And and I feel like a lot of people are doing that. Do you get that same sort of feeling that they're trying to kind of copy paste?
0: Uh, a little bit. I don't know how companies are doing it internally. To be honest, I've just spoken to a few mm-hmm. uh, who who were they, they weren't sharing what they were doing too much, but they were asking a lot of questions. But I I do sense that there's a lot of
1: um, what questions of they were asking.
0: Well, you know, we need help with consulting or training mm. on how to work remotely, how to collaborate, you know, what tools should we use and these kind of things. And, and what are some best practices? What are some tips and tricks that you can share with us? Um, so those are the kind of questions that I could ask. They're quite high level, to be honest. They're not too specific. Right. Um, few people have asked me about help with their culture. It's more about the collaboration side of, mm-hmm. of things. Um, and... and um, and that's interesting because I think culture plays such a huge part and they shouldn't dismiss that or, or have it as an afterthought. Um, and, um, I also have the impression that there's a huge number of people who all of a sudden are, um, are popping up and, and, and as remote work experts or consultants who can help mm. others. And, uh, some of these people, I, you know, I question how much experience they have. Um, and, 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 and some truly do have the experience. I I wonder if there's a lot of people maybe taking this as an opportunity to maybe pivot to something that might be, uh, more, more helpful, you know, seeing the demand right now and that's fine. You know, maybe I would have done the same in their situation. I'm not (laughs) saying um, that I wouldn't, but it's also creating a lot of noise. Um, and somehow, you know, I, I kind of hesitated in the beginning, like how much, should I put out there and add on to that noise or should mm. I just wait for people to approach me? Cause I, I, you know, I have enough work. I'm not necessarily in need of, of more clients. Um, although obviously I want to help people, but I also want to make sure that if I put something out there, it's something really valuable and not just repetition of here's, you know, the top 10 tips to work remotely yeah. um, because you can already Google that and find that, you know,
1: yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So what I've um, I've been following David C. Baker. I, I don't know if I don't know if you know him. Uh, David C. Baker wrote. Uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm
0: not. You know?
1: he he wrote uh, the business of expertise. So he's the expert experts, and and he talks about that about creating noise in the in the marketplace. And really, as an expert, and you're an expert on remote work, um, you want to be providing the the insight, right? You want to be providing mm-hmm. the insight. So you have, you're you're the one that's able to connect all the dots and then therefore you're able to provide um, actionable, applicable insight uh, to people as opposed to, like you said, the same listicle, right? 10 ways to blah, 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 or a list of like endless number of apps to improve the way you work remotely and all that stuff that I think, at the end of the day, just confuses people instead of really adding value to their lives.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I, for a long time, if people would say, Oh, you are the remote, remote work expert. I, I don't, some, sometimes I don't feel comfortable with that word because I mean, I'm, I'm still learning all the time. Um, yeah. I did work with a fully remote team before, uh, called Hano and we were about eight people. um, we were eight people yeah when i was there and and whatever worked well with hano and i tried to apply to other companies you know i, I soon realized that our way of doing things didn't it wasn't a one size fits all mm-hmm. um, and so now that i'm at mural and today at mural we're 140 employees but when i started we were we were around 60 something i'm also learning okay well you know mural has a different culture and a different way of working um, the things that i applied at, at I know might not necessarily work here. And then again, I have to constantly check myself on things. So yeah, I can can provide insight, but I also can provide a lot of, um, I think like you, you real, real cases, you know, anecdotes and things like that of, of what other teams have tried. And, And I think that can be valuable as well. And not just say, yeah put a webcam on well why you know and give me an example of 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 a meeting when people did not put a webcam on and how that went Mm.
1: um
0: so that's that's uh that's also important yeah
1: so so since you uh brought up Mm hano uh i want to i want to dive into that and and we'll get to to mural in in a bit but i i want to talk a little bit about hano and this was in 2014 hano
0: Yes, I joined them
1: in 2014. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because that was the first time that I was introduced um, to the concept of remote work and your work specifically. So I remember you at Hanno, and um, you know, doing the webinars, talking about remote work and all that stuff. Um, I remember being, and still to this day, super impressed by um, the amount of thought, the amount of investment that went into thinking about remote work and really structuring it as a methodology, and then later putting it out like openly and freely as a as a playbook for everyone to learn from what you guys were doing. So can you talk a little bit about Hano? What was it like to work there? You know, how much remote work were you doing? Was it really a hundred percent
0: Oh yeah, it was a hundred.
1: <laughs>
0: it was two hundred percent. No, we were okay. we were all remote, and it um, it was interesting when I when I joined them actually because I just wanted to interview somebody from the company or kind of shadow them and see how how do you guys collaborate remote, remotely. So you have to remember that at the time there weren't so many companies doing it, and there wasn't a hmm. there wasn't a huge amount of content out there. And specifically, I was looking at how can you do design thinking because my background is in is in design, how can you do design thinking remotely um, mm-hmm. and and uh, and this there was, was for, nothing out there
1: this was part of your master's topic. i think yeah, so right? for
0: my master's thesis yeah, yeah i was I was looking to write a, on that topic there was you could google design thinking, you could google remote work, and you'd find different things, but there was nothing connecting the two yeah. um, so I uh, set out to to talk to some people and see how they worked. And um, I, I think through a tweet, actually, <laughs> somebody read a response that I wrote to somebody else. And and that person who then replied to that thread worked at Hano. So I, I still have to thank him today, Arnes if he ever listens to this. Um, he <laughs> replied. And then I was like, hmm, who's this guy? Where is he working? And then I saw that he worked at Hano. And I went and then dug deeper and saw this, uh UX design team that was fully remote. I think there were maybe six people at the time and uh the the founder was uh between in the UK and Malaysia. The others were in Germany, Spain, uh Hungary, uh no, sorry, not Germany, but definitely Hungary, Spain, the UK, Bali. <laughs> and um wow. and yeah, it was it was really fascinating. So at the time I was I was uh, studying in Manchester mm-hmm. in the UK so the easiest, closest person to speak to was the guy in, uh, was Matt, who was based in London. So I mm-hmm. said, okay, I'll, I'll come to London. I'll talk to Matt. And Matt was very, you know, very funny and as he always is. And we've become friends over the years. But he, he said, don't just like look at me and get involved. <laughs> 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 come, come, come to the co-working space, help me out, do the work with me. Smart don't man. just look at what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right. So what do you want me to do? You know, so I, I kind of um, became this intern um, who wasn't just shadowing, but it was learning by doing, which was actually really the the philosophy of also where I was studying at Hyper Island um, in mm-hmm. Manchester. So it was a, a great way to learn and to observe and and do, and then. I was supposed to get involved for a week and then he said, Hey, do you have something to do the next week? And I said, no, not really. I'm a student. <laughs> do you want to get more involved? I said, sure. I'd like to get paid as
1: well. <laughs> so
0: it just kind of continued. And then it was after a month, it was like, Why don't you keep going. And I continued anyway. So
1: I, love that I stayed story. with Hano,
0: I think for three years. Also it was funny because as an intern, they, they had planned a team, uh, a company retreat in Argentina mm-hmm. um, so this was just after I joined, you know, I would see conversations in Slack between them. And I was thinking, that's cool. They're going to Argentina, but I'm an intern. Like, how can I, you know, are they, they're not inviting me obviously because I just joined, <laughs> but I, what if I pay my own trip and I go there and then I can meet them in person and interview them in person for my thesis. That would be great. So yeah. I asked, you know, I dare to ask, can I wow. just come and, and they're like, yeah, there's room in the Airbnb. You can have, um, there's a bed. You don't have to pay for the Airbnb, but you can pay your own your own travel expenses. So I did that. Mm -hmm. Went to Argentina, met them in person, which was fabulous. You know, for any remote team, it's still, there's, I mean, there's something special that happens when you meet in person, you really get to know the people. Yeah. And what was really interesting was that at the same time, just before I went there, um, somebody in my alumni network sent an email to all the students saying, Hey, I work at mural is anybody looking to test this out for doing design thinking remotely? And I was like, oh yeah, like that's wow. what I'm trying to do as well. So I got in touch. And then when I went to Argentina, I told the girl, I'm like, hey, I'm, I have to go now on a company retreat. She's like, oh, we're based in Argentina. <laughs>
1: <So> <laughs> wow. I said,
0: oh really? Well, we're going to be in this neighborhood. And she said, well, that's where our office is. So
1: that's I actually incredible.
0: met the people at Mural when I was starting at Hano as well. Okay. And it was a really small team in Buenos Aires. And I never ever suspected in my wildest dreams that I would end up working at Mural.
1: Um, That's so funny! Wow, yes. what a coincidence!
0: Super coincidence. You know, it's really fun. And they gave us a demo in person. They're like, "This is how you use Mural. This is how you do design thinking. Yeah, um, how you can do it remotely." So we played around with it. I wrote my thesis. I stayed with Hanno. And to answer your initial question, yeah, we did put a lot of thought and consideration into remote work that especially came from the founder who was a big blogger and would read a lot and and, and we would all share books. John, yeah. John Lay, he would share a lot of his books. Matt was reading a lot. And so we were reading books like reinventing organizations um, and others um, about just different ways of working, not just about remote work, but just what are some progressive uh, ways that companies can, can come together. So we had, you know, flat team, no hierarchy. We were fully remote. We eventually tried different things with our salaries. First we had like a salary calculator. That's when I joined. And then later we could try to choose our own salaries and I remember that that. To the rest of the team. And I was
1: reading every blog post. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah they were, those were days where we used to write a lot. And then I was writing about our design thinking experiments, how we were doing them remotely, um, and then I was trying to apply some kind of team building methodologies that I learned at Hyper Island around giving feedback and things. And I was thinking, okay, how can I do this team building remotely? So I was I was focusing more on the culture side of things and doing mm-hmm. little initiatives within Hano to test things out. So yeah. yeah, we did that for a few years, and the playbook was essentially um, you know kind of the the whole manual of this is. This is how we work at Hano. So it was used both internally for us to know, to have mm-hmm. a document which 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 um, express how we, how we worked and what we agreed on. But it was also super useful to share with clients because then they could see that we had our shit together. And yeah. it's like, okay, you're, you maybe don't trust us because you'll never meet us in person. Well, this is how we work. We're like super organized, read through this. This has everything from our holidays to our salaries to how we will do a design sprint with you how we'll structure the days, how we'll communicate with you. These are the tools we'll use. These are our, our workflows and our processes and you will be able to be part of it. So yeah. clients loved it because they didn't even get that from you know companies that were in their same city. Um, so we were being super transparent and then they would, we would do a design sprint with them and they would see how we work and then they would be super inspired and try to apply some of our our, um, culture in their own companies mm-hmm. and ask us for advice. And, and, you know, over the years, we even became friends with some of these clients, which I'm still in contact with. And then we also had it, you know, and it's still open, um, to the public online. And, um, the whole right. idea, you know, John was saying, sure, somebody could take this whole thing, copy it and, and run with it, but it's never going to be like Hanno anyway. So right. we weren't worried to, to have competition in that sense, because there weren't a lot of teams back then who were doing or agencies that were offering um, to do design sprints remotely. Um, So we just knew that they would face their own struggles and they'd have to (laughs) figure it out. Like what works best for them because this worked best for Hanno and we were six or seven when we first started, uh, when I first started, they were already there since a while. But um, I think I still stand by that idea. Like you can share an idea online, but it's not necessarily going to be like yours if somebody else does it
1: absolutely and and for for the listeners if you still to this day google h a n o a w n o um uh, remote work playbook you will get that i think it would be the first hit on google uh, and it's it, and it's still i think it was is and was ahead of its time i think so much thought again so much thought went into this document and really the experimental aspect of it, you know, it comes across like we were trying or you were trying uh, out different things. And here we're reporting on what we tried, what worked, what didn't. I think that was like super refreshing, um, you know, to, to read at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, we, we definitely had people who inspired us as well. Um, I mean, the, the blog at buffer, Yeah, had great content. They still do. Um, they have an amazing, amazing blog. And, uh, there were other companies doing things like automatic, uh, those who Mm -hmm. who created WordPress and, um, and then I think Zapier started writing things. And so there were, there were, there were quite a handful of, of people sharing there, but they weren't companies that everybody knew, you know, these were mainly tech tech tech-based companies. And, um, Smaller teams and uh, who who just did things in a completely different way, and yeah. were more I would say more purpose driven. Um, mm-hmm. If I think of companies like Hanno or, or Buffer, and that's what I found hugely inspiring was how purpose driven they were and yeah. and still are.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, I I agree. And also, like for me being a productivity freak, um, it was <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> You know, just kind of seeing how, um, you know, you went through like design thinking, through iteration over over iteration over iteration, perfecting, right, your craft, um, almost to the point of obsession, right? Um, it 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 sort of, you know, I, I I don't want to sound cliche or anything like that, but it was really a work of art, right? It was really something that you understood that was honed over a long period of time and a lot of thought went to it so um, if for the listeners if you are interested in remote work and if you're listening to this then you obviously are um, I would say google Hano and, um, and and check that playbook out